Hey, hey, Freedom Fighters. Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the only place where military members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing. I'm your host, Mike Foster, and I'm here to show you how to stop wasting your benefits. Now get off your ass, step up to the firing line, and make ready for today's lesson. Shooter, stand by. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. I am so, so, so happy. I've got Joe Fairless here. What's going on, Joe? Hey, um, I'm looking forward to our conversation. You're, are you always so, so, so happy or is That's this a right. occasion? Nah, man, always, dude. I'm kind of staying motivated. I got to motivate our guys out there on the front lines. You know what I mean? Awesome. But, uh, but no, but today is very special because we've got you here, man. And for those of you guys who don't know Joe Fairless, you're wrong. First of all, you need to go check social media. But uh, type up his name, you'll find he is the host of the best ever real estate investing podcast. He's also an author. He's also a public speaker. He is doing so much stuff. Joe, thank you so much for what you're doing out there to inspire others and uh, help provide that message of hope and financial freedom, man. It's huge. Well, I, 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 my, uh, my contribution is a grain of salt compared to what everyone who's listening to this podcast is doing for the community and our country and everyone else. So first off, thank you for everyone who uh, is listening to this. Uh, sincerely appreciate everything you're doing and looking forward to this. Yeah, man. It's an honor. It's definitely an honor. And so you mind taking us through a little bit of your journey? You know, what was it like, you know, starting out? How did you start? How did I start? I started, well, we'll go with college. I was an advertising major, English, English minor from Texas Tech University. And I went straight to New York City. I wanted to compete with the best of the best in advertising. And I worked on Madison Avenue at an ad agency. I was making $30,000 as a junior project manager. Okay. Um, You know, we factor in the hours. It was less than minimum wage. I was working a lot of hours, but you know, it was an experience. And I climbed the corporate ladder relatively Mm -hmm. quickly. Um, I, while I was climbing the corporate ladder, I kept my living expenses relatively low for especially New York City standards for like it would have been low for, you know, Lima, Ohio standards. Mm. They, you know, I, I had a, a roommate. Um, I was living in a, a, a apartment that was uh, the size of, you know, most people's bedroom. At that desk right there. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, I mean, the, the, we had a kitchen, but it wasn't really a kitchen. It was really just a dorm style refrigerator plus a sink. Mm. There's no living room. And then there's a bathroom. So it was... a pretty um, Spartan conditions. But what I did is I was saving the money that I was making and I was uh, going to invest. And so uh, my friends would make fun of me. They said, you know, you're living like a college kid. And I was like late 20s at the time, but I didn't care. I started, I I bought my first house and um, then I bought uh, my next house and then another house and then another house. And I had four homes and my friends were like, wait, what are you doing? How are you able to do this? And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm saving my money, investing it. And then I started teaching a class on how to do real estate investing because people were curious about it, who I knew. And um, that really was what, you know, catapulted me into what I'm doing now because it was teaching that class and um, sharing what I had learned with others that helped me get the idea to do it on an even bigger, bigger scale. Right. 
That is awesome, man. That is awesome. So, you know, we're talking very, very humble beginnings. You know, you're in the city, you've got a, sp- a space that's probably as small as your desk yep. and, and you're starting that frugal lifestyle. I think that speaks to a lot of the military, you know, by and large, most of the military comes from a very conservative background. Um, so, you know, not having much, especially for those in, that are enlisted, uh, you guys are, if you're listening to this, it just kind of shows you, you don't really need to have much to get started, right? I mean, this stuff kind of snowballs over time. Mm-hmm. So what was that first deal like for you? The first single family home? Yeah. It uh, is $76,000 mm-hmm. purchase price, uh, all in around $20,000 that uh, I put into it. Uh, it was 20% down payment plus closing costs and miscellaneous things. Okay. I was all in for about 20000 Nice. And it rented for $1,095. I still have that property today. And in fact, I was talking to a, um, a colleague of mine getting his advice on what I should do with my, I still have three of the four homes, what I should do with three of the four homes. And we decided it made sense. I was leaning toward already, but he's a, a, chemist, a chemical engineer, um, super savvy, analytical guy. Mm-hmm. And he helped confirm my, um, my thoughts that it was, we needed to, I, it was time to sell. Right. So uh, that house, you know, I bought it for 76,000. We can sell it for probably 180, 190. Ooh, uh, well, nice. let's say one, conservatively 180. Okay. 190. And, but it, you know, that was in 2009 when I bought it. So a decade later, but okay. still, I mean, it's, it's, it's appreciated a good amount. Uh, so with, between my three homes, I have, about $350,000 in equity that's just trapped. And I was looking at the profitability of those three homes a year to date through March. So mm. January, February, March, and it's uh, $2,300 and change factoring in all the property management costs plus the mortgage. And so what that equals out to is approximately $255 a property per month that I'm making. And the thought process that we went through is, well, um, if I could get 300, so I have about 350K in equity, but I'm just you know taking out broker fees, et cetera. So I'm just going to round it down to 300. Mm-hmm. I've got $300,000 in equity um, that's trapped in there, but right now I'm currently making uh, approximately 10, 90, 9,200. We'll call it $10,000 a year on them. Nice. Well, that, that, well, it's about a 3% return on that $300,000 in equity. So okay. the thought process that's is, um, why not sell those homes and unlock that $300,000 and then I can invest it. So in one of my deals, so I buy apartment communities, got $600 million worth of apartment communities now, and I can invest it in one of my deals and I can make significantly better than that 3% return. So it makes a financial sense for me to sell those three homes and, and capture that trapped equity uh, not to mention the three single family homes. I own them in my personal name and uh, yep. they're a big a liability. liability. Right. right. So mm-hmm. they're, we've decided to sell and so that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Awesome, man. So, so you decide to sell. That is, that's awesome. And then, you know what? I, I kind of want to, um, to ask a question. Have you gone through the process of refinancing at all, whether it's with your multifamilies or not? Yet? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that is an option I considered. So I could probably out of those three homes, I could probably get about a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Um, and then I would, I would make 
from that hundred thousand, you know, the the homes it'd be like around a ten percent return because I I would have about ninety nine thousand dollars a year um, in those home or making those homes be making and I get a hundred thousand dollars out. But right. it, it is a, a lot of paperwork to, cause I would have to have three separate loans. So I'd have to go through the loan process three separate times, three separate times. Yeah. And, um, the, the, between the administrative burden uh, of the paperwork plus me being able to just uh, remove any liability from those homes and also make a very good return on my own deals with the large apartment communities, it just makes a lot more sense. Makes more sense to sell. Yeah, that's that's a really good perspective, man. You know, I think, um, you know, a lot of times people get into the mindset where they say, okay, well, I want to buy properties. I don't want to sell them. You know, I'm a buy and hold investor, right? I'm not a, uh, I'm not a flipper or anything like that, right? But sometimes you have to understand there is a good time to sell, right? And there's a good time to keep. And you have yeah. to weigh the, the cost and the process, the time, right? Like you're saying. And then also the return on investment, that ROI, right? So that, that's, yeah. a good, that's a good deal. Um, you know, I'm kind of curious because uh, we've had some questions regarding the process of refinancing. Uh, can you speak a little bit to that process? You know, if, if you say you were to refinance one of those properties, or maybe even refinancing, you know, equity out of a multifamily investment, right? To distribute back to your investors. What's that process look like? It's similar to getting a loan. I mean, it's this, it's a similar, very similar process for when you originally get the loan, you have to submit the financials for the property. You have to submit. So uh, let's, let's talk about single family. Mm-hmm. Uh and by the way, I have I refin I have refinanced on one property, but it's been like you know four four years or something. So I okay. might be a little rusty on this, but I, I know it's just. But I I actually just asked mm-hmm. the lender what I would need to submit in order to do a refi. Should I choose to go that path? So right. it, it's it's just the same financials that you have for um, when you initially buy the property. Um, yeah, and, and the key is to identify how much, what is the loan to value that they'll do on a refi investment property? And mm-hmm. then what are the transaction costs? Because then you'll be able to run your true uh, return on um, investment and if right. that makes the most sense. Now from a, a apartment community, so I, I don't buy single family homes anymore. Mm-hmm. I haven't bought one in uh, five, six years or so. Uh, and what I do now is I buy apartment communities. And so on a refinance with one of our apartment communities, it's the same. It's very similar to uh, when we initially purchase it. Um, They're going to look at the property. They're also going to look at secondarily the um, liquidity and net worth of the, uh, of the borrowers or the people signing on the loan. And uh, what you'll want a, a rule of thumb that you'll want to keep in mind is you'll need to have 10% um, uh, liquid and 100% net worth of the loan balance. So mm-hmm. if you're, um, let's say you're buying a property for 26 million and you have 75% loan to value, then the loan's going to be around $20 million. So you're going to need uh, $2 million liquid 
uh, 10%, and then you're going to need 100% of the net worth. So you're going to need $20 million net worth in order to get approved for that $20 million loan to buy the $26 million property. Wow. Yeah. So this is one of those things, guys, that when you're, when you're hearing this and you're listening to this and you say, okay, well, I need to have all this cash reserved, right? It's not just you, right? Because we're talking about amongst your team. It doesn't necessarily have to come from one person, right? Um, and, and so that's one of the aspects of getting into multifamily it becomes that team sport. Um, yeah. And I, uh, I completely agree. And I'll give you a couple specific examples. When I transitioned, transitioned from single family to multifamily, I didn't have the liquidity or net worth to buy large properties. Uh, I had $50,000 in the bank account. And I had four single family homes. And the only reason I had 50000 is because one of the homes I bought all cash and I did a cash out refinance and got that 50k back. So, you know, I had 50k in the bank account and four single family homes. That's how I started. And I got that 50k in those four homes from working hard in my W2 job, uh babysitting on the weekends mm. uh, as a as a 20 something year old male babysitting <laughs> on the weekends <laughs> doing whatever I needed to do um to earn extra income and um teach these classes, etc. So I, I scraped and clawed, uh, saved up the money, but yeah, I, I that fifty thousand dollars isn't gonna get get you approved for an no. apartment community deal. Certainly so what, not. What my business partner and I did is, as you said, we partnered up with people initially, and so the um, first deal, so my company that I co-founded is called Ashcroft Capital, and my business partner Frank is the co-founder of the company with me and the first deal we did, we partnered up with a management company and um, we raised 70% of the the money for the deal, but we only got 50% of the the ownership and equity. So mm-hmm. we raised 70%, but we got 50%. And that 20% spread Um, was given to the management company because they had the track record, they had the liquidity and they had the net worth. Right. So they were more valuable than us uh, and to the lender because the lender didn't care about us. They cared about people who actually had money. Right. And so we partnered with that group for four deals and, and uh, we would give up equity in exchange for them being on the deals. And then eventually now on now, uh, after deal number five, and we're on deal number 23 at this point, oh, it's just Frank and I who are signing on the loans. We have the liquidity, liquidity and we have the net worth to sign on loans up to $70 million. So nice. we are able to do that uh, with our own balance sheet at this point, but we didn't start out that way. Didn't start and that way. it's through partnerships that we're, we're, we've been able to do that. And as you said, that's the key to be able to align yourself with people who um, have those complementary skill sets and then mm. be attractive enough to them so that you attract them into your deals and then knowing knowing that this isn't a permanent structure. This is just today's structure for right. this particular deal. And I might be giving up a lot of equity, but who cares? I'm in the deal. And then you continue to grow. And then as you grow, you uh, can choose to um, partner or not partner on certain things. Absolutely, man. That is awesome. Honestly, that's such a phenomenal concept. And again, it's going back to that whole idea of leveraging equity, you know, whether you're doing it through single family, whether you're doing it through multifamily, the concept's the same. 
And when you're starting out, it's important to be humble, right? To have those, to have that, those grassroots type tart beginnings because you say, okay, well, yeah, I might be 20% in the deal now, but 10 years from now, right? I'm probably going to be 80% in the deal, maybe helping somebody else come up, right? And you never know. Um, but that's awesome. So when you raised that capital, what was that experience like? Um, who were the investors that you chose? You know, by and large, right? I mean, were they people with um, large 401ks or like what, or maybe let's even talk about, you know, some of the funding sources that people use to fund those deals with you. My first deal, there are 12 investors and uh, I raised $843,000. Nice. And of those 12 investors, they came from different um, groups that I was a part of. So one of them was, and this is, by the way, what I'm, what I'm telling um, you all is the process I recommend going through right. when you're initially partnering up with deals, and that is to identify the groups that you're a member of. Um, so before you even identify groups that you're a member of, put it in a spreadsheet, put, uh, have a spreadsheet, and in the spreadsheet put first name, last name, how you know them, um, likely investment amount, and miscellaneous notes. You can add more columns later, but that's the main stuff. And write in 100 people's names in there. Now, you might be thinking, I don't know 100, I don't know 100 people who can invest. That's okay. Write in 100 people's names in there uh, because you are friends with people on Facebook, on LinkedIn, check out your phone, look in your contacts, write in 100 people. Every no leads you closer to a yes. So write in 100 people, whether or not you think they are or aren't qualified. And then once you have that, then do a filter at the top of the spreadsheet so that you're sorting based on how you know them. So it's important when you're writing how you know them that you're being consistent with how you categorize people. For example, you if you met... Um, uh, people through uh, a certain you know uh, station you're in, or um, you know a certain area you're you're living in at the time, or high school, college, whatever. Mention high school or college, or um, you know we were deployed here, and that's where right. A specific and keyword, a yeah. specific keyword, so that you can sort and easily group people within these groups. And the the reason why that's so important is because Word of mouth. So my background, I was a young. I ended up being the youngest vice president of a New York City advertising agency, and I, I know from my time doing that is the number one, uh, the greatest influencer of purchase intent is word of mouth referrals. So mm. when you have a group of people, let's say you were stationed somewhere and there were you know, eight people that are on your list of a hundred, well, it's likely that some of those eight people know each other. And right. so when you speak to one of those people, and I would be strategic about who you speak to first, either the person who's most influential among them or the person who's most well-respected for their financial savviness, mm. one or the other. When you speak to that one person and you then get them on board for investing with you or at least potentially partnering up, then ask that person, hey, do you mind if I you know, just say, Tell to say that person's uh, the initial person's name's Bob, and the the next person's name's Tom. Um, say, hey Bob, would you mind if I just tell you know Tom and others that we talked, um, just you know tell them that we had a conversation about this, and you know 
they'll say, sure, that's fine. And so when you go to the second person, you say, hey, I was just talking to so-and-so about this, boom, you instantly have more credibility about this opportunity because you have that word of mouth that, right. um, and, and the social credibility that's so important. And so, so that's what you do when you're raising money for your first deal. That's now, so smart. To answer your question directly about who was in my first deal and their, how I knew them, well, I had people from the, at my advertising days, my advertising agency days. I had people from um, flag football. I had um, people from, I'm on the um, alumni advisory board at Texas Tech University. So I had people from there and um, oh, a high school friend, a college friend and a roommate in, in New York awesome. City. So I, I had a smattering of people. And um, the, the example that I, the hypothetical example that I just gave actually played out in my first deal. That exact scenario played out where this gentleman, his name's Brandon. He's super savvy with finances and he, he looked at the opportunity and he's like, yep, you know what? I'm in. And then he talked to someone as actually his boss at the time. He talked to his boss, who's the founder of the company and he told him about the opportunity. And then when I talked to that gentleman, he said, well, you know what? If Brandon's interested, then I'm definitely interested. Just right. like that. It was so much easier of a conversation than if wow. this person had been learning, at it, learning about it from scratch. That is absolutely incredible. And, and I love how you were able to walk through that process, you know, by crunching the people and organizing them in your spreadsheet and then using them to categorize and and just strategically playing, right? Kind of like a chess game. Um, now that's awesome, man. That is awesome. I've, and I, I've got, I'll, I'll give that spreadsheet away to everyone listening. Just email. Uh, it, it's a little bit more robust than what I described. Um, not a whole lot, but it's got some more bells and whistles than what I described. Email info, info at joefairless.com. And my executive assistant, her name's Bonnie. She'll get you that spreadsheet for everyone listening. Just mention that you heard, heard it on this podcast. All right. Awesome, guys. Hey, that's valuable. Make sure you guys go and uh, check that out. Thank you so much, Joe. Appreciate that. And there'll definitely be a link to the uh, show notes page for all that. Um, awesome, man. Hey, listen, I understand that your time is short, so I'm going to take you into our bonus round real quick. I know there's so much stuff we can continue to talk about, but I know your time is super busy. Uh, I've got three final questions and we'll keep it super short. What's your favorite book? Favorite book? It depends on what I'm focused on at that point in time. Right now, I'm reading a book on TED Talks, the founder of TED, or, or maybe he's not the founder, um, but he's the person who's in charge of TED Talks. He wrote a book, right. and that's, that's been pretty valuable. Okay, awesome. Trying to work on that public speaking. Hopefully, we'll see you on that stage. <laughs> yeah. What's your, who's your biggest hero and why? Uh, I don't have a biggest hero. I have a lot of people in my life um, directly and indirectly that inspire me, but mm -hmm. I don't have one hero. Okay. I can, I can respect that. That makes sense. That's, that's awesome. All right. And then final question, if you had three uh, nuggets of wisdom to give to those who are just getting started, what would it be? I'd say first, um, you know, take all the free advice you can get and then decide what you want to do with it. Um, uh, because when people give advice, they're giving it from their per, their own perspective, experiences mm -hmm. they've experienced, which may or may not be applicable to you. So take all that advice, but then filter it out. Um, two is um, 
the richest people in the world build networks and everyone else looks for work. Robert Kiyosaki told me that on my podcast. You're living and breathing mm. that philosophy. So build a network instead of doing tasks. Make sure you continue to be focused on um, building people, building a network around you um, of people who are you know achieving or at least you're teaching them how to achieve. And when you do that, um, you know, Zig Ziglar talks about um, um, you know, help enough people get what they want and you'll get everything you want. That's I mean, right. That philosophy holds true. So that's number two. Number three is um, have a vision board. I have a vision board. It's, it's a poster on my wall. It's about four feet by three feet. It's huge for a wall at least. It's pretty darn huge. And it reminds me of where I'm headed, what I'm focused on. I then put that vision board on my phone. So it's the first thing I see. It's also on my desktop, on my computer. It's everywhere. Wow. Okay. We can see some pictures behind you. I'm not sure. Are those oh, part of my, your... That's my uh, inspiration wall. So it's, okay. it's got a bunch of stuff, thank you notes. And I've got um, a, uh, a letter though. Yeah, I won't point out. You can. It's it's on the wall, but it's, it's a letter of my first job where I was making thirty thousand dollars, and it was acceptance letter in New York City, um, wow. an advertising agency. I've got a bunch of stuff on there, and then I also have an agenda of uh, a meeting at an advertising agency towards the end of my time at advertising agencies that was just like mind-numbingly boring. And I was like, oh my god, I've got to save this for inspiration for why I would never ever want to go back. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So both kinds of inspiration. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, Joe, thank you again so much for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, where can our folks connect with you? Uh, if you want that spreadsheet, the, I call it the money raising tracker, by the way, you can email info at joefairless.com. If you're looking to learn more about apartment syndication, just go to apartmentsyndication.com. All right. Sounds great. Guys, you heard it here. Thanks again, Joe, for your time. Really appreciate it. All right. Enjoyed it. Take care. Outstanding. That was an awesome episode. Thanks so much to our special guests and thanks to you for listening. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, make sure you go and do that or schedule a call with us by texting ADPI to 444-999 or checking out our website at www.activedutypassiveincome.com to find out how you can get started on your financial freedom journey today. I'll see you guys next week.